Episode 40, Releasing Things That Don't Belong with Shana Francesca. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin. And today, Michelle, myself, and our guest Shana Francesca from Consonate discuss releasing both the physical things and the stories that don't belong in our lives. We also dig into how ridding ourselves of shoulds can help us live a more authentic life. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Welcome to the story in your head. Our guest today is Shana Francesca. She is a professional life designer, a speaker, and a writer. From an early age, she had been fascinated with the power of intention, the way we speak and the design our life into existence, and the way our physical surroundings are a reflection of that. Five years ago, she founded her firm Consonate, which aims to empower all of us to live more intentional, connected, and authentic lives. Welcome, Shana. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. So I'd like to start off with a question about your company name, mm-hmm. Consonate. How did you come up with that? And oh gosh, what does yeah. that mean to you? You talk about life design and things. So yeah, tell me the story. Yeah, so the story is that, and while we're, while we're talking about the story, I want to bring up and read the actual definition because it's something that I just absolutely, I picked it because of the definition. But a friend of mine, she and I had had this conversation around the, the ethos and the, the basic understanding of who we are as a company. And I had written that out, you know, who we are and, and kind of what defines that. And I was sharing it with her and we both are vocabulary nerds. So like two weeks later, she sends me a screenshot of this vocabulary word, which was not bizarre by any stretch of the imagination because randomly we just send each other screenshots of vocabulary words. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, and it's this word consinity. And I read the definition and I was like, that's really beautiful. I love the way that it, I love the way the word sounds, but I, I felt like I needed to dive in a little bit more into the origins of the word, the, you know, and, and understand where did it come from and what does it mean? And then I found consonate, which is, you know, the name of the company and it means it's a verb and it means to arrange or blend together skillfully as parts or elements put together in a harmonious, precisely appropriate or elegant manner. And that doesn't just apply to what we do like as an interior design company, but as a life design company, you know, understanding what it all comes down to is defining or understanding the story that our clients want their lives to tell. And then us being able to set the stage from, from where that story is told, right? Like our homes, we spend two thirds of our time there. So that becomes the stage from which we tell the story of our life. 
and then understanding that when we're clear on the story we want our life to tell, it doesn't actually add to all the things we need to do in our life. Typically, it helps us to clarify and remove what no longer belongs there. And it really gets us clear on on how we want to spend our time and who we want to spend it with. Great. Thanks, Shauna. Why did you choose interior design and this business? What, what I, where, where did that come from? Or where is your passion around it? It came from, you know, growing up, you know, in a really difficult childhood, had a very traumatic childhood. My imagination became my best friend and it became my way of surviving and my way of getting through. And I started to recognize the power that my physical environment had and how I would sequester myself in my room and I would move my furniture around constantly, especially every time something really bad happened. It was like I was breaking the association with what was so that I could reset the stage for what I wanted to be. And so it became like the vision board for my life, right? And so I started using the walls of my bedroom as a vision board, you know, having beautiful inspirational quotes and sayings and images of the life I wanted to build for myself. And then I started kind of paying attention to, you know, interior design as a thing. And then I realized it is a thing. And so I went to school for it. And then I just started as I worked through industry, you know, and then doing commercial space, I eventually decided and had clients come to me personally and say, hey, I'd really love you to design our home. And I started to see the transformation that happened. The way that I listened, I recognized was different than perhaps a good portion of interior designers listen. And the way that I designed was a little bit different. And it was unique to me and my perspective on the world. And I really loved expressing who my clients were right through the through how i saw them and i saw this powerful transformation happen in their lives and it really starts to affect everything you know especially as a family unit that's when you can really see this like powerful transformation because it doesn't just affect each person individually but it affects their dynamic together which is an incredible thing and that's where life design really started entering into the lexicon of what we do and it's kind of just morphed from there and having these conversations about living intentionally and about the story we want our lives to tell. Yeah, thanks, boy. I've got like 75 questions after that. But <laughs> I'll focus on one to start with. <laughs> so sure, things, sure. Yeah, in sort of that life design and, and that you talked about earlier, how you set up your room, right, tells a story. And you said also figures out what does not belong there and you can move it out. So tell me more yeah. about that. Yeah. I think many times we hold on to things because they've either always been there or because we feel maybe we're required to or any number of things, right? There's all these rules that have been assigned to us generationally, societally, and we, we live our lives many times aligning ourselves with the rules that other people have put on us. And when we get clear on the story we want our life to tell, we recognize that those rules have nothing to do with us. And in fact, we have no obligation to obey them. And that we're not actually, there's no such thing to me really as rebellion. There's simply an asking like for people to stop putting their rules on us, right? And for us to be able to live our authentic selves. And, And so I started to recognize like, when we get clear on that story, we release the things that no longer belong to us because we can release those stories we've told ourselves about the things we're required to do. And it also comes back to understanding like 
giving ourselves permission to take up space in this world beautifully, right? Like deciding the story that we want our lives to tell gives us permission to take up space intentionally and beautifully. And then we get to recognize that like, hey, I have a voice here and I get to use it. And then I can release all the things that don't belong to me anymore. They're meant for someone else or for something else, but they're not meant for me anymore. And I don't have to hold on to them because the world is abundant and what's meant for me will find me. Thanks, Shona. See, I love the story that you find the other stories that you've accepted from other people. And then you've got things in your house that are tied to that. Mm -hmm. I find that very relevant for what, like we do and what I work on every day, which is looking at those stories that are in my head that I don't mm-hmm. want to have in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's also, it's like that, uh, we call it the orange cone theory where, you know, if, you, if you're driving down the road and you see an orange cone, you focus on the orange cone, you'll hit the orange cone. Ah, uh, yes. Right. So if you have that story in your head, you keep trying to get rid of the story. You're actually making it more sound. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Cause now you could take the item and get rid of it. And that helps you. Yeah. But how do, how do we work with their stories that they go, I really want that item back or that I have a story about that. Oh yeah. Well, first I don't ever, you know, I don't ever advocate for releasing something till you're ready. Right. Don't get rid of it because you think you should. Should is a curse word. Stop shooting all over ourselves. Right. And I think this goes to when we get clear on the story we want our life to tell, we focus on that. Right. We can lean into the emotion. We can feel into the life that we want to live, the life that we are choosing to live. Our life is a series of choices. And when we recognize the power in that series of choices, we can recognize that we, by leaning into the story we want our life to tell, we start naturally releasing the stories that we've told ourselves where we've made meaning, where meaning doesn't exist. Right. We assign meaning, but there is not necessarily any meaning. We make it mean something when we want it to mean something or because we notice a pattern and that pattern may or may not actually exist. It's just the lens through which we're viewing the world. So when we realign that lens and say, this is who I'm becoming and this is who I want to be. And we focus on that story. Now that's the lens through which we view everything. And we are no longer as attached to all of these negative stories that have built up over time, we start to feel comfortable and safe to release them because we're getting something from them, right? The stories we tell ourselves, we're benefiting from them somehow, right? We're either letting ourselves off the hook in some aspect or where we are so afraid. So this story is allow- is placating our fear. There's a number of reasons why we hold on to stories. But when we get clear on this beautiful story we want our life to tell, we start to see that being attached to these negative stories isn't going to get us there. And we naturally, they just start to fall away. What we focus on grows. So we have to focus on the positive things. And this is not about toxic positivity either, right? Because like it's real life here. But when we focus on the positive and we're clear on that story, that starts to push away the things that don't belong. And it's not like I should get rid of this. You just naturally get to the place where you're like, what is this even doing in my life anymore? Okay. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. Focusing on the gross. I have to, have to remember that one has a little bit of human nature, right? We, we do tend to do that. Oh yeah. So I wonder if you can go a little deeper into that word should, right? Because I catch myself a lot. Right. And then all of a sudden the guilt appears and all sorts of other stories, which I'm brilliant at creating for myself. Oh, yeah. Why do you say 
should is unproductive. I think you used another word for it, but I'm curious to help yeah, people out. Yeah, we should stop shoulding all over ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> nice should on yeah. should there. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I I started recognizing where should came from. In my life, should came from an excessively indoctrinated life. Right? I grew up extremely conservative Christian, evangelical Christian. And should was constantly put on me as a means of control. And so I started to recognize that it was a shame. It was a tool of shame that I adopted for myself. Right. And so I was like a shaming myself for being myself, which is an absolutely catastrophic loop. And what I started to recognize is or allowed myself to feel into is if I were to release this should, what would it give me permission to do? Can I get curious about my life and what's possible? Could I get curious about connections with people in new ways? If you get curious about connection with myself and what does that look like? Should is usually assigned to some rule that has nothing to do with me, right? Because if I'm jumping in and being like, I should do this, well, clearly it's not aligned with what I want to do. And if what I want to do isn't actually harmful to anyone, then why am I required to abide by this rule? Because someone told me to? No. I'm okay. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm going to shed all that. And I'm going to recognize that these are all people's opinions, right? It's all religion. It's a, it was all of it's constructed by human beings, right? And when we recognize that and politics and all the categories that we, that we align ourselves with, they're all constructs. They're not real unless we make them real. And so when we release ourselves from those categories, we can lean into the idea that should doesn't exist. It just doesn't, you know, and it's hard to get rid of though. It still comes up in my own language, but then I'm like, nope, wait. Okay. I don't, nope, not doing that. Not doing that to myself today. Some days I do. Some days I'm like, nope, not doing that today. <laughs> Thanks, Shauna. Sometimes we, if we have an example where we can share with the listeners, or the viewers of our, our podcast, like it's easy for them to understand. Do you have an example of the should that you've been able to move on from? Yeah. I feel like I live such a naturally controversial life. <laughs> so I don't mean to offend anybody. This is my beliefs and you're free to believe the way that you do. But for myself, I have released the should around, I should go to church and I should believe in the God as depicted by the Bible. And I was able to do that first by just giving myself permission to be curious and to dive into biblical scholars. But I, but the thing is that I still felt with the need, like I had to prove that, that I didn't believe the Bible, right. That I didn't, that I understood that it was written by men and it was reinterpreted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with different political and religious agendas, which that's a whole nother thing. The feeling like I needed to prove something that's a whole nother version of should, <laughs> <laughs> right. There's just layers. There's like levels to this shenanigans. And so, you know, for me, I, I re- leaned in and was like, why should I believe? Because someone else told me and then told me that hell existed, but hell doesn't actually even appear in the Bible. Right. So like all these things, I started to tear down all these shoulds in my life. And then they just start toppling. It's like Jenga. You know, you start pulling out one at a time and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Right. And as engineers, you can appreciate Jenga. Right. So like you start pulling these blocks out and all of a sudden it's not sound anymore. And then you don't have to prove anything else. You just recognize that it, that it, 
you have a right to believe how you believe. And so I think that's for me where I started to really release should is when I started to release all the beliefs that I've been told I had to, otherwise I was going to be punished by eternal damnation. And I started to recognize that I don't want to, I don't want to serve a God that would do that to the people he created. And also God's not he, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Sorry guys. I don't, like I said, I know that I'm waiting in very like controversial territory for some people, but well, I, I there you have it. I, I I have this a great question you've opened up, and it's one I've been having since the beginning of the call. I want to get it out there. Uh-huh. You know, because we have these stories we make up about what, what words mean, right? But uh-huh. what really matters to me is what does it mean to you? To you, right? Exactly. So what, what does authenticity or being authentic mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> and I just exhaled when you asked it. What it means to me because I'm still finding the definition to that word, right? And I think it's an ever-evolving definition. And I think that's the thing for me is authenticity is ever-evolving because I'm ever-evolving. It is constantly clarifying. It's a conversation with myself of what what applies here. What do I actually believe? What, what feels right for me? What's aligned with the story I want my life to tell? And what's aligned with, what's aligned with, it's, it's really important to ask the question, what enters the room when I do? And then what do I want to be entering the room when I do? Right? That's kind of how, like, when we define the story we want our life to tell, when we ask, we ask that question to kind of clarify, how are we aligning ourselves with that story? What's entering the room when I do versus what I want to enter the room when I do, right? And authenticity is understanding what enters the room when I do, rather than deciding that it's what I want to enter the room when I do, right? And perhaps there's some work that needs to be done to get from here to there, but the authenticity lies in the recognition, the leaning into what actually enters the room when I do. Does that answer your question? <laughs> as if, no, as if there's an answer, right? Yeah. But yes, right. go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, I was going to say, dig a little deeper in that because I've been working this word authentic for a while too. Mm. So what I heard you say, sort of, it's like what enters the room and maybe what you want to enter the room. So it sounds like there's a gap there or something. So there typically is. Yeah. 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 How do you resolve that? Or how does it make you feel like, what do you do with that? Maybe we don't resolve it. Maybe what we want to enter the room when we enter the room, right? Maybe how we want to be perceived as we enter the room. Maybe that's should, right? Maybe authenticity is just letting ourselves lean into what actually enters the room when we do and just letting that be enough instead of, because typically what we want to enter the room when we do, it doesn't mean we don't grow. I absolutely always advocate for growing and changing. That is an ever constant state of being. But I think so often society tells us this is what should enter the room when you do, right? And this is the list of things that you must, this is the qualifications, right? And I think we lose our authenticity when we try to make ourselves look like the thing that we want to be entering the room when we do. And authenticity lies in simply letting ourselves be enough is who we are exactly in this moment, exactly who we are. That's enough. It's more than enough. It's all we're meant to be, perhaps. Thanks, Shauna. What, just a little more definition on the story you share, which is like when you enter the room. What does that mean when, when you enter the room? Like when you, mm-hmm. you walk into a room, okay, got it. You you physically came into the room. Yeah. What are you talking about? What enters the room? 
So how, if anybody was in that room, they would describe their interaction with you within the first five minutes or 10 minutes, right? Like typically people can form some kind of interaction or understanding of who we are energetically through their own lens, right? We all understand that. But when we can get a consensus, if, if we were to pull out a board and start writing down the words that come to people's mind after their first five to 15 minutes of interaction with us, what is overlapping there? What's coming up for all these different people? What do they see when they see me? Right. And then, you know, we could get even more fine tuned about it and just be honest with ourselves about who we are when we feel like we enter a room. Right. And, and not necessarily take anybody else's opinion into the matter and anybody else's perception of who we are into the matter. Perhaps none of that matters at all. Perhaps we just get to be who we are and it doesn't matter what other people think. Like it's more than one thing happening at the same time, right? It's who people would say that we are, but also who we say we are, you know, it's all, it's this balance of both. What, do, what is the, the link you have between like when we walk into a room, right? And we, we come in with stories and we come in with stories people make up about us, right? Right. Then you, oh, yeah. Then you tie that also to when somebody walks into your room, which has you in it. Yeah. But also all the, your stuff. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I, <laughs> there's so many layers, <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe is that an okay answer here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of working through it myself to figure out what does that mean to shed the stuff and to allow myself to be defined just by nothing, right? Like by absolutely nothing. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to get there, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Because all the stuff clouds the view of who we actually are, but we're not allowed to walk into rooms naked. So like what, but even if we did the way that we do our hair or the color of our hair, or I mean, there's always some physical representation of who we are that enters the room when we do, unless we just talk to one another behind screens all day. But even then, the tone of our voice and the language we choose, that precedes us. So there's always something that's defining us rather than just our being. So I'm just trying to get to the place of nothingness, but I don't know how to get there. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> I followed, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm on the journey with you. So yeah, I'm, Right. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just free fall. And I'm like, like flying squirreling it over here. I have no idea <laughs> how to get there. I'm just working on it. Yeah. I think a, a lot of us are working on that one. To follow up with that nothingness or coming into a room, you talked about also being enough. Yeah. Tell me more about that. And how do you get there? I don't know. I'll tell you when I get there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for the answer. Come Um, on. I wanted the brilliant, like, you know, these three things. Being enough, you know, when we, I think when we release the word should, and we release the desire to fulfill other people's expectations. Right. And in fact, we release our own expectations because most of our own expectations are aligned with other people's opinions of us. When we, release all that we can recognize like that we just are you know and 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 that we are enough right but 
but I think there's so many layers like social media, jobs, all of these things are constantly putting on us this, I need to up my game, this hustle culture, this mentality of there's something always better. We don't enough, enough stopped existing a long time ago when marketing firms came into existence and kept telling us that we don't have enough of or our existing isn't enough and all of these things. I mean, we interact with marketing constantly all day long, even when we don't realize that we are, right? All the things that we own are in some way associated with the energy of how it was marketed, right? And since we're all energy, literally, physics tells us that the energy of how something was marketed to us stays with that thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like, it's a literally, it's just like when you start to lean into all of this, it really starts messing with your head because you realize how messed with your head has been, right? Like our heads have been so messed up by so many layers of things. It's absolutely fascinating to me. Like just to kind of be like, what in the world is enough? And I don't even know what that means anymore because I'm so distracted by all the things that tell me I'm not enough. If there was some simple step for somebody like was listening to us that said, I'd like to try this or do something different, like what do I do? What is a simple, easy step for them to get started? Honestly, I would start with meditation. You got to get clear on the voices in our head because they get real loud when we get real quiet. So like even just an intentional breath in and out can help clear out like so much. Right. And, And to just really understand that like getting quiet is really hard, right? And sometimes all I can make it through is a single breath in and out before the noise in my head is funneling back in, right? But if we can do that a few times throughout the day, we can start to hear the sound of our own inner voice and we can start to hear the voice that says I'm enough, right? That's where enough is in the quiet rather than in the noise, but there's nothing wrong with the noise, right? Because the noise has been programmed into us. So it's key to not make ourselves bad or wrong. And then when like meditation has allowed me to release right and wrong and making things bad or good, right or wrong all the time, like this extreme categorization of our world. And that is like an ever deepening rabbit hole. <laughs> so just start with meditation. It's really, that's, that's the simplest place it was for me to be able to get quiet and get clear and really start to hear my own inner voice. Yeah. Thanks, Shauna. I started meditating probably about 20 years ago and you're right. It's really loud. Mm -hmm. And what I learned to do was just really loud in here. It's really loud. And there's a lot of them like what, what's with that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I just thank them all for their thoughts and move them on. And that Mm -hmm. was Mm because I could never stop them. I can't stop them, but they don't need to control me. Right. Yeah. And I think it was Pema Chodron I, when I, I read one of her, mm. several of her books, but this was a couple years ago. I think it was the first one that I read. She was saying, if we just label it thinking, right, we just let it be what it is, right? Not bad, not good. Don't make ourselves wrong. Don't let ourselves get frustrated. Who we are in that moment is enough. And we just label it thinking and we let it go. You know, just let it come in and let it go. We don't have to dwell on it. And I was like, oh, that's great. Okay. So I'm just thinking. That's it, you know, and then it relieves this frustration. So many people are like, but I can't meditate. And I'm like, you can, you're just making it 
you're assigning meaning to what it means to meditate. <laughs> all of this is such a catch 22, isn't it? Like it's all so connected. You're assigning meaning to it and you're telling a story to yourself that meditation has to look like X. And so if it doesn't look like X, you can't do it and you're bad at it, right? But perhaps meditation isn't one defined thing, but it is exactly how you define it. And you can be good at it simply because you say you are, right? Because it aligns with your intention for meditation and not anyone else's. That's great, Sean. Thank you. This is a moment where we open it up to you. Hmm. What questions do you have of us? I mean, goodness. (laughs) What would be, I mean, of what we talked about today, like what are some of your, you know, what has been some of the work, especially around being enough? Like how, how has that shown up for you in your lives? So I'll start with that one. That's been, it's been my lifelong should, I, I would say probably from very early age also, right? I should be more was the old story. Mm. And to shift that to being enough took a long time to say, what is enough? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's little things. I have to, I can't do the big existential, right? I got to start small. It Life is all the small things. Right. And, the, and they add up. So one of the things fairly recently that I, that I worked on was I took up tennis, right? And I'm still learning. So I, I hit mm. the ball, miss hit the ball pretty well. But I told myself, if if I tried my best, then that's enough. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you had fun. Did and you have I fun? fun? Yeah. So our, our rules are don't yeah. get injured. Have fun. Yeah. And do your best every time. Yeah. And whatever the outcome is. I love that. Just accept it. If it's, it's a win, enough. it's a loss, it's a this yeah. or that. I mean, nobody's going to pay me, right? Yeah. I don't depend on buying food from, from my <laughs> pedestal. Thank goodness. But then I said, if I can do it there, where else can I do that? right? Start simple. Mm. So I'd say for me, that's one that I work all the time because it's just such a strong background noise for me. So embedded and it's taken many years and now it's a lot quieter, but it still will roar its ugly little head every so often. Oh, it does. Yeah. So I'd say for me that I am enough is one that I always work. Mm. I love that. Yeah. How about you, Ron? How's enough shown up for you? Working to notice. Right, this this the story that's in there that I'm not enough, which is it's been around since I was like as long as I can remember since I was Ron, beginning and like I noticed I am in the world, I'm not enough, and to notice it because what I'm working on is how do I notice when I'm in that story mm-hmm. so that I can shift it, yeah, versus letting myself work through and continue on being not enough. And not bringing myself to the world and not bringing my thinking and bringing my ideas and and participating in people's lives and all that space where you could easily isolate yourself because you're not enough. I did. did. And so now how do I get from the space where I go, oh, look, I just made up that story that I'm not enough. What What new story can I create about that so I can bring and be me? Yeah. Or as I say, put put I'm not enough in the back seat, right? And keep driving my life. Yeah, because it shows up. It shows up so differently for men and women mm-hmm. enough, I think. I'll, I'll have to trust you on that because uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a man, right? Yeah. So I get, I get yeah. what I get, right? Yeah. Um, kinda, that's my space. Yeah. So Shauna, if any of our listeners are curious, like where should they go to learn more about you or your offerings in the world? My whole life is online like everyone else's. So 
So the easiest place to go is to my website. So that has a, a tab that talks about who we are as a company, who I am as a human being. There's a whole tab. Shana Francesca talks about who I am as a speaker, who, you know, all the different podcasts I've guested on has links to the different podcasts as they're released. There's lots and lots of information and links to all of my, you know, all of my social media, spending less and less time on social media. So it's easier just to kind of stay connected. You can either subscribe to, we only send out a a monthly email as a company just to stay in touch with people and let us know, let people know what we're working through, what I'm working through as a human being, what we're working through as a company, perhaps transformational stories for clients. We keep it really simple, but yeah, definitely the website it's consonate.world. So C-O-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-E.world is where you can find all of that. Yep. Thanks, Shana. Yeah, no problem. Is there any last thing you'd like to share with us? No, just thanks for having me. I really appreciated the conversation. I really love your questions. They're very thought-provoking. Well, thank thank you, Shannon, for being on the show and participating with our listeners and basically helping us learn. Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Not only does it help the show, but we'd love to hear from you. If you have a minute, share your feedback. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time.